Lord, we thank You and praise You for this opportunity to come and to not only remember, but experience Your grace and forgiveness. Lord, if there's one here today who does not know You as their Savior, Lord, have had their sins forgiven and washed away, I pray that You would draw them by the power of Your Spirit this day. And Lord, we ask now that You open up the eyes of our hearts so that we might receive from You. In Your name I pray. Amen. We're going to continue and almost are finished with the book of Philippians chapter 4. The title of this message is simply Peace. And I want to read a passage before we get to Philippians chapter 4 from Matthew chapter 6, one that you're all familiar with in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or what your body or body will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet are your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Worry. A word that almost personifies our nation today. We actually live in a culture that not only fosters, but feeds fear. Swine flu. I mean, we hear that word... And, you know, for, for about a year now, we've been petrified. And now we're finding out that, you know, it's basically like the regular flu, except you probably maybe get over it a little bit faster. But we're still, we still hear that word, and it still unnerves us because it's been fed to us. Universal health care. Oh, my gosh, I'm about to leave the building right now. Fear fed to us again. This word right here in Philippians 4 that we'll see in just a moment and certainly by Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount says to not worry. The word word literally means anxiety. It's probably the best descriptive term for us. Do not live in anxiety. Now, let me just go ahead and give you the one-minute version of this sermon. Some of you will probably want to go home uh, after you get this. But here's the, here's the biblical understanding of this, of anxiety. Because we all have worry sometimes, don't we? And does it really help to say, you quit worrying out there. Don't worry anymore. Well, first of all, let's define what the two words are. When we say the word worry, what we really mean is anxiety. And what we're really talking about is a fear of something that may or may not happen in the future, but we're going to go ahead and live as if it's already occurred. Okay? So I'm worried about something that might happen. I might lose my insurance. I might lose my money. I might lose my health. Uh, I might, my ch- children might move, uh, you know, grow up and be complete hooligans and then not take care of me when I'm older. I mean, all these things, and I'm going to go ahead and start living like it's true now. I want to go ahead and feel all the anxiety and all the just inner tension and turmoil, and I'm just going to live in it right now and just let it stress me out and really not be able to do anything about it. That's anxiety. That's the type of worry that the Bible's talking about here. On the other side is concern. Did you know that concern is actually biblical? We're supposed to be concerned. The difference is concern is I'm living in today and I recognize there's some things that I need to address. There's some things that I need to be prepared for, whether that be retirement, whether it be my children's education, whether it be my own health. But not only do I need to prepare for it, but I'm taking steps of action. It's so funny. We're we're not really good in the whole risk 
issue anyway as Americans. I mean, we, we, are, uh, we are afraid of things such as the swine flu, but yet on our health side, there are a lot, a lot of other things that we just don't address. For example, you know, uh, we had the mad cow scare not too long ago. Everybody's afraid of hamburger meat. The real truth of it is we be, need to be more concerned about the fat and cholesterol in there and, and uh, where our cholesterol levels are going, where our triglycerides are going. But, yeah, we don't really care. You know, give me, are they healthy? Give me five of them. Uh, just make sure I don't get that one bad one. And so we, we kind of find ourselves in that, that mentality. You know, even seatbelts today, they tell us today that 25% of people still uh, don't wear their seatbelts. There's another risk issue. People are still afraid to get on an airplane when we know you're at least 11 times more likely to die in a car accident. And we'll drive 2,000 miles in a car. So we're just really not good at the things that we worry about anyway. And a lot of times they don't have a lot of reality to them. There are other things that we are doing that we are at greater risk with. And I think Jesus certainly understood that, and Paul certainly understands that even here today. We live in a society that feeds our fears. The question is, will we receive it? Will we take the message and begin to live as if things are already falling apart and that we can do nothing about it? Now, I just want to feed you for just a moment what you'll probably hear tomorrow. If you got in your car, in the radio, if you're just walking through a department store at work, you probably hear these messages sometimes and don't even realize it. Permit me to do this for a moment. Those of you who are really going to struggle with this, we can talk about it later. I'm trying to make a point, okay? Can we hear that, Rusty? I did it my way. Well, here's a quarter called someone who cares. Everybody hurts sometimes. Monday, hard to wake up. Fill my coffee because I'm out the door. got to be something more. Well, in fact, the Word of God does tell us there's something more. And if uh, we've gone through the first three chapters of Philippians, as Case finished up last week, I want to start with verse 20 in chapter 3. But our citizenship, speaking of believers in Christ, is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power of that enables Him to bring everything under control will transform our lowly bodies so that we'll be like His glorious body. When we talk about the word peace, there's really three different types of peace given to us in the Bible. First of all, there's peace with God, and there's peace with others, and then there's the peace of God. I want to start right here with the peace with God. Peace with God. How do we get to be at peace with God? The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that God cannot look upon sin because of His holiness. So here we are as sinners. And here is God as perfect and holy and righteous. And our sin separates us 
from knowing Him, from Him even being able to look upon us. So how do we deal with that? How do we come to peace with that? Well, there's a really famous track, and in your bulletins you've received a copy of Steps to Peace with God, probably the most popular track of all times, uh, written by Billy Graham. And I'd like for just a moment for us to run through this together. Uh, and this is something you can share with others. But peace, Steps to Peace with God, Understanding God's Purpose and Peace and Eternal Life. The Bible tells us we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you and He wants us to experience peace eternally. And he wants us to experience peace today. And that is possible, the Bible tells us, because even though each of us have disobeyed, each of us have gone our own way, so to speak, as the Scripture tells us, God has a remedy. First of all, we must do this. We must admit that we're sinners. Admit that we can't get good enough to earn God's favor. That we will never be good enough. We'll never do enough deeds. It is impossible for us to overcome this mountain of sin that separates us from God. So, first of all, I recognize that I'm a sinner. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible also tells us there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but in the end its way is death. Your iniquities have made separation between you and God. Your sins have put a separation, a barrier. So I recognize that God desires for me to have peace. He wants to be in relationship with me, but my sin inhibits that from happening. It prohibits that from occurring. So what's the answer? Well, there has to be a bridge. There has to be another way over this sin other than me simply trying to scale the um, just impenetrable ceiling of my sin. It's through the cross. It's through what Jesus Christ has done for me. The Bible tells us God shows His love for us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for our sins. The Bible said that God could not look upon sin. There had to be a sacrifice offered for sin. So Jesus, as we talked about in our time of communion, gave His own self upon the cross. He was nailed to the cross. His blood poured. And for all who will receive that, all who will transfer our trust from what Jesus did upon the cross, from anything that we could ever accomplish and receive Him as Savior, then that gap has been closed those sins have been covered by the blood of the cross. And we embrace the truth by receiving it. The Bible says we must trust Christ as Savior. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no man that cometh to me except through, the, except through Jesus. That's the only way we can come to know Him. To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. Have you ever made that commitment? If not, we are not at peace with God. When we're over here trying to say, I'm going to do it my way. I'm just going to try to be good enough. I'm going to just hope and in the end, God will see that I had a good heart. I'm going to try to do some good things. <clears throat> I know that there are multiple ways and <clears throat> I think I'll just be okay. I think I've just figured it out myself. And Jesus said, there is none righteous. The Bible tells us there's none righteous. 
None of us. So we are completely dependent upon what Christ did upon the cross to bridge the gap, to cover our sins. And that's how we come through the place we are at peace with God through Jesus, His blood and sacrifice. The second type of peace is this. It's peace with others. Let's read our text right here in Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1 and 2. Therefore, my brothers whom you... Whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, this is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Judea and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. <clears throat> Evidently, even in the early church, believe it or not, there were two women who didn't get along with each other in the church. I just I know, I know we're all shocked today when we ever ever hear anything about that happen. And what's interesting is we read the next couple of verses, we find that they were actually supporters of Paul's ministry. They were actively involved. Uh, they were well respected. Matter of fact, their names uh, mean sweet fragrance and joy in the journey. And so joy in the journey and sweet fragrance here uh, were not too sweet on each other for the moment here, not having a great journey together. And we don't know what it was. We, we assume that it's not a major doctrinal issue, but something has come up. And here's a good question. Is it possible... For two believers who love the Lord and attempting to live for Him, not get along sometimes. Absolutely. Happens all the time, doesn't it? Sometimes it happens at our house. Sometimes it happens at our church. Sometimes it happens at work. Sometimes it does. And so the question is not whether we will ever disagree. And remember, the goal is not, uh, we've never been called to uniformity, but to unity. So how does Paul address this? Well, interesting. Paul, first of all, says this. Let's read the rest of this passage. He says, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, he's appealing to someone else, an elder or a third leader, to help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So at first he says, I plead with you to agree with each other in the Lord. So first of all, Paul asks for restoration. I want you to see the goal is not to be right, but the goal is restoration. Whenever we have a disagreement with someone within the body of Christ, the goal is not, I win, you lose, but restoration. The second thing that Paul calls for is grace. A spirit of grace should be afforded to one another. And then thirdly, he reminds them, you are united in Christ. So the goal is restoration in a spirit of grace, recognizing that we are united in Christ. So, peace with God through salvation. Peace with others. And then, let's continue on here. Rejoice in the Lord always, or celebrate the goodness of God. Celebrate God. I will again say, celebrate or rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That word gentleness right there uh, could... You could put several different words. One would be patient, but probably the best word would be kind. Let your kindness, the Bible tells us in Romans, the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, let your gentleness and kindness, your non-retaliatory spirit. Remember, he was just speaking of the incident of the two women who were not getting along together. The Lord is near. And then he says that word. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. We already talked about what concern meant. So 
God is not against being concerned. The Bible gives various instances where it's important to have concern, to stand for what is right, and to prepare as much as possible. But there's a difference between concern and anxiety. Anxiety is always driven by fear. Anxiety usually does not take any steps. Matter of fact, the old English word literally means to strangle, to live in that stranglehold where all you're doing is just trying to exist. That's why Jesus said, is life not more important than worry, than simply getting captivated and being stuck and not moving ahead? Concern. Anxiety. You know, it's, it's easy to find things that we can be worried about today. And, and let me just give you an example of, of anxiety. You know, you could try to tell your children... You know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lock you up in a room, and I'm just going to feed you through a hole, and I'm only going to give you Bible verses. And that's all you're going to get there, because I want to protect you. Well, that would be completely fear-driven. I'll give you another example. My my son loves dinosaurs. I mean, he, he can name like 14, 15 different types of dinosaurs just off his head. Boom, boom, boom. He's even starting to smell them. It's kind of, spell them. Spell them. It's actually kind of intimidating, to, to be honest with you. Um, oh, Dad, what, what kind of dinosaurs do you know? I said, oh, well, let's, uh, let's read the Bible, son. Um, how many verses do you know? Any, anyway, he... Seems like something I should do. But nevertheless, he, he, he really is getting sharp. You know, there's a piece, piece of me that could go, oh, that scares me. You know, if he starts reading about dinosaurs and all those things that go with dinosaurs, he's going to become an evolutionist. I got to be afraid. I got to cut this out and just say, you know, no more dinosaurs in our house. No more reading about dinosaurs. No more talking about dinosaurs. You are forbidden to talk or see a dinosaur. Well, that would be completely anxiety driven. That would be fear driven. Now, what would be a better way to do that? More of a concern. You know what, son? Let me share some things with you about dinosaurs. First of all, they were real animals that walked upon the earth. Secondly, yes, they were big animals, but do you realize that the the great blue whale is bigger than any dinosaur that ever existed? Not only that, um, you know, as science continues to grow, we, we found out a lot of times science starts off not being right, but as it grows and as more information comes about, you know, we don't have to fear science. It can actually become our ally because the truth will always eventually win out. You know, I, I could be afraid that they're going to teach him about Lucy and that through Lucy, they're going to build an elaborate system. See, that proves evolution. But then, then Artie comes along and that messes Lucy all up and it kind of invalidates all the information. About, okay, now it's Artie. And my guess is if we wait long enough, we'll find another discovery. And I can just simply tell him this. End of the day. Brock, here's the way it is. In the beginning, God, and He created. There's where we are. So I don't have to tell him something like they never existed, they were never here on earth, and, and run, run, run. No, I want to teach him about the principles of truth and say, in the beginning, God, and that God created the heavens and the earth. God created all the animals And we may not be able to understand everything today, but let me tell you this. I know it to be true in the beginning, God. And this is God's creation. And we'll have theories galore for the rest of our lives. You know, there was a time when everybody thought the earth was flat. 
and you were considered an idiot if you didn't believe that. Okay? So and, and we have scriptures that allude to the fact, even, quite frankly, that the earth never was flat, that it was round. I'm just saying this. We don't have to live in fear of what could happen if we're teaching our children what truth is today. That's where we want to put our emphasis. The same is true for our lives today. What are we going to live in fear of? How are we going to deal with the fears that are fed to us, even by evangelicals sometimes? Well, you know, I've talked about description and prescription. There are descriptive passages that tell us about things. Here's a good prescriptive passage that tells us how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with worry. If you have your Bible, follow along with me, and let's just walk through this uh, very briefly together. We read verse 6 a while ago, Do not be anxious about everything, but in everything, first of all, by prayer. So there's the first key to not living in anxiety, prayer. Prayer, speaking and communing with God on a consistent basis. Being in communication with God, it's an aspect of worship. A lot of times we live in a spirit of fear because we hear a stronger, louder, more extensive message from the outside than we do from the Spirit of God inside. It starts with prayer. So first of all, living by a spirit of prayer with petitions and in thanksgiving. Learning to be thankful for what God has given us. Learning to have a thankful attitude to live in a spirit of thanksgiving. When I pray, in a, make that always an aspect of my prayer. You know, what's interesting to me is we, we all agree with that. We all live that practically. Take, for example, our children. Aren't you so encouraged when they are grateful and thankful? Doesn't it put you more at peace and make your home more peaceful when they're grateful, when they're thankful, as opposed to, give me, I deserve, i got to have. As they begin to demand, what does that do? It makes us take a step back. But when they're grateful, we long to love, we long not only to love, but to give and to foster that relationship, to listen and to hear attentively. He continues here. So he says, in prayer and in thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard. That word guard uh, literally means garrison. That he will garrison, that there he will give angels charge over you, I personally believe, over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God upon you. And then he says this, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent, praiseworthy, think on these things. Prayer, thanksgiving, meditation. What's, now, what does meditation mean? I started to give you a big list of how to meditate, but it's really a pretty simple process. It's taking the Word of God, slowly reading it, and really letting it resonate in your heart. Really listening to the Spirit of God. In other words, I'm not just trying to get information. I'm not just trying to check off a box. I'm not just reading through so I can say I did this or I'm studying for something else. It's saying, God, I just ask that You speak to me today. And I'm going to take these few words, these few Scriptures... I'm just going to chew on them for a while. I want to receive from you today. I want to receive from your word today. Let's take a moment 
And I want to ask you uh, to do this. Uh, we've got plenty of time, so nobody needs to rush out. This isn't the end of the sermon, okay? Uh, but here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for us to just be still and know that He's God for a moment. And then I want to read some Scripture to you. And I want you to just meditate upon it. I want you to think about the words. I want you to invite God to just speak to you this morning. The Bible says that we are to pray, to be in thanksgiving, and to put these positive thoughts, these things of God in our mind, to be still and know that He is God. In a world that wants to feed the rush, it wants to feed the fear, I'm asking you for a moment to fuel upon the Word of God as you meditate and think about it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, honorable, reverent, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely that promotes peace, whatever is admirable that is constructive, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you've learned, or perceived from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you didn't have opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this today because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether being well-fed or hungry, whether living with plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It has been good for me to share my troubles Moreover, many of you know in the early days of your acquaintance that I set out that no other church really assisted me and helped me in the matter of giving except for you. But you have sent for me again and again, have met my needs. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment even more, and I am amply supplied. And I've received the gifts that you've sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. 
For whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever promotes peace, whatever is constructive, think about these things. Precious Jesus, we thank You for these moments to be still and know that You are God. Lord, I pray that we would feed our minds from Your Word, from Your Spirit as we pray, that we would be fed with a positive attitude as we are in a spirit of thanksgiving regardless of our circumstances. And Lord, that we would set our minds on the things that bring You glory and honor, the things that are true, the things that are constructive, the things that are kind, the things that bring peace, the things, Father, that bring You honor, the things that, God, are attractive about the Gospel as we so let our light shine that others may see the good works and glorify You in heaven. Let us be thankful and grateful and prayerful. And Lord, I pray that as we dwell upon Your Word, upon Your Spirit and Your goodness, as You renew our minds, as You renew our spirits, that God, the God of peace, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That, Lord, peace will transcend our circumstances, our situations. Though we may have concern, we can live outside of the anxiety, of the strangling that Satan comes to put in our lives to where we abort our spiritual lives and simply exist Let that not be true of us. Though we hurt, though we have conflict, though we have troubles, let us rest in the fact that the God of grace will meet our needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And we will give you the praise and the thanksgiving in advance for what you are doing and for what you will do. We refuse to live in the fear of tomorrow to begin to experience the pain and anxiety of something that may never occur or of which, Lord, You will prepare us and strengthen us for that day, if even if it should come. But You have told us in Your Word that every day has enough concern of its own without us worrying or living in anxiety of what tomorrow might bring. So today, Lord, our concern is You, that we know You, that we love You, that we experience your grace and forgiveness. Our concerns for our fellow man who doesn't know you, that you would draw them by the power of the Spirit. Our concern, Lord, is if there's a relationship in which we are at not at peace with someone within our body, God, that we would take care of that. And our concern is, Lord, that we seek you, that we know you, that we fill our minds with your word and with your principle. In your name I pray. Amen.